0: Welcome home. All right. Well, tell you what, we have got a, uh, okay, just, I'm not going to say too much. You just, just watch the thing and you'll get it maybe. Now you're saying, Pastor, tie it in. I just want to know this: what happened to all the good cartoons? anybody Anybody wonder that? Yeah, man, I, I used to love this. And this morning, I was in prayer time with the pastor's prayer team, and it was hilarious. We were praying, and that's all I heard: beep, beep, beep. beep. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, the church is gone. Anyway, the whole point of that is the ability to endure. He always endured, didn't he? I mean, he was always chasing him, but he was always enduring. And when I think about 2 Timothy, that's part of it. It's faithfulness, it's enduring, it's getting knocked down, it's getting back up, it's enduring again. How many of you need an enduring mentality this morning? Man, man life is just handing you some tough situations. And man, man, it could be your health, it could be your finances, it could be your relationships, it could be all of them. Man, if, if you're having that, you're having a bad day. Let's stop that body life again. But you just need to learn to endure. When I read Timothy, First and 2 Timothy, I see that concept. Be faithful. Endure. Continue. Don't give up. Don't get knocked out. When man, you get knocked down, get back up. So this morning, across the top of your notes, it says, Expect trouble. Suffer persecution. It's part of the deal of following Christ. If I tried to tell you that following Christ was some easy Uh, path with roses and flowers and everything was going to go your way, I would be telling you a lie. It would be an injustice to you. I, I can't do that. Following Christ is the most awesome adventure in the world, but it's full of ups and downs. It just means we have a Savior who walks with us. I mean, yesterday it was a wedding. There was the immense joy. On Monday it was a funeral, and that was a time of sadness but also of hope because of her faith in Christ. And then we have babies, and we have death, and we have weddings, and we have life, and we have graduations, and just stuff happens. But you've got to learn to endure. And when I look here, it says, expect trouble, suffer persecution. A great theologian, John Stott, look at this. It says, although the second message was intentionally personal communication to his young friend Timothy, it was also unconsciously his last will and testament to the church. That's what this book is about. It's, it's uh, Paul's last letter. I mean, he penned so much in the New Testament as he was led and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this is the last one that comes from prison. And it was a, it was a difficult prison that we'll talk about in a minute. It wasn't one of the house arrest situations that he was in, in earlier in Scripture. But this particular thing he talks about, it's Paul's last letter. It's Paul's most personal letter He really begins to kind of relate a little bit more of who he is. And it's also, as I said, it's written from a Roman prison, which, you know, that's where we find Paul most of the time anyway. He's being persecuted. He's being knocked out. He's being chained to a guard. He's been put under house arrest. But in this particular prison, it was dark and dungeon, and it was a terrible, dismal situation for Paul. And yet he writes and he encourages and he inspires and he hopes to motivate. Tim. He hopes to motivate us in 2011. He's hoping to give us some encouragement. And this week, as I was just reading through Timothy, and yesterday, as I just read back through the book again, I mean, that's what's so amazing about 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy. These books, they're short. You can read them in a really kind of quick time, and you can read them many times and say, God, what is it? And he talks about having a sincere, genuine faith. But there's, uh, I just want you to look there in 2 Timothy. Turn your Bibles there. Turn to 2 Timothy 1. And there, jumping up about verse 4, he says, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Man, there was was faith that came out. Um, What I know about uh, Timothy, he was one of the first, second generation Christians. Now, I want you to hear that. God has no second hand. God doesn't have grandchildren. We all come by the blood of Christ. We, we have a personal relationship. We can't know Christ through our parents. Our parents can't know Christ through us. But they can have tremendous spiritual impact, and they can leave us a legacy. And because it wasn't some evangelist or somebody that came into in town, it was because of his grandmother and his mother's faith, he came to know Christ. In this room today, there are many of you. Your kids have come to know Jesus Christ because of your example. Some of you came to know Jesus Christ because of your parents' example. And then some people like me, I didn't come to know Jesus Christ through my their example. They were great parents, love my parents. I had the joy of leading my father to Christ eight years before his death. But here's Timothy, and he he has a unique situation. He has this awesome grandmother. Uh, every time I talk to grandparents, I go, man, how is it? And they go, oh, oh they're grand oh it's awesome love them spoil them and send them home and God and I are so looking forward to this next chapter in our life over the next few years man for grand every time I see y'all come in with your kids but when I see you come in with your grandkids there's something about when y'all come in with grandkids y'all have bigger smiles on your faces I think it's because your kids your grandkids don't live with you and you sleep during the week and maybe you pick them up or you know, I'm looking forward to when we have grandkids, I'm gonna sugar them up and have fun with them. I can't believe I said that. But, but I am. We're, we're just gonna love them and Donna's, you know, anyway, anyway, let's just keep going here. But here's a here's an imprisonment. There's this dungeon poor, dark, cold. Basically, he's alone. I mean, Paul just. Man, it, I mean, Timothy here, if anybody has a, a reason to need some help here, I mean, man, he, he's in a tough situation, but there's a, But he's writing this letter. He's trying to tell him, look, um, you, Timothy, you're going to be a new generation of leadership. You know, that's what I've been praying in our church. We're, we're going to complete 15 years uh, September the 8th that we opened our doors. In August, we began this work in 1996. And that's relatively young in our community in terms of church history or church life. But we've seen so many people come and so many people go, and we've we've had thousands come through our doors over the years. Just so many people move in and out of our Montgomery River region community. And this morning, it's kind of cool. I'm talking about this. Tony and Leah came through. They stopped by here for a season. I think y'all just got married, hadn't you? It was really, they just got married, and man, they wanted to do it right. And they came here and had a a child here and, and, and just kept going, didn't you? And it's just been awesome. And yet, God says, I want to raise up a new generation of leadership. I I want you to, um, here's what he's saying to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, I want you and Titus and others, I want y'all to fill the shoes of Peter and Paul. I want you to walk after Christ, and I want you to have a godly example that your faith people want to imitate. They want to be like you because you're solid, because you're the real deal, because Christ is genuine. Uh, as he says there, there's a sincere faith. He, he knew the importance here. He also says, hey, there's got to be some teamwork, and you've got a lot to do. Now, let's move through this. I want you to sit at the very top of your outline, chapter 1. I want you to write in the word, fire up. Timothy is trying to fire up... Um, the people here. In, in this epistle, he's trying to say, Look, the people need to be fired up to do the things of God. There's a call to service. And there in verse uh, six, for this reason, I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan the flame. Man, that's a great word. This morning, I want you to think about a fire for a minute. When you have a fire, and I mean, I mean, you're thinking, "Be a fire, I'm thinking air conditioning, and I'm thinking sub frigid temperatures, but just It works for the illustration, okay? But when you're in the fire season, you're building fires, and and those embers just grow cold, and and, and there's not much going on. You have to go over there, and you have to do what? You have to stoke the fire. You have to fan the fire. And sometimes it guffs, and, man, there's this great blaze, and, man, you just get excited about it. Well, here it is. He's saying, in your faith, I don't want your faith to grow old or cold or dismal or dead. You've come to faith, but I want you to fan your faith. Uh, I want your faith to be greater than it's ever been. And this morning, as we come together on Sundays and as you go to small groups or those things, I'm praying that God's doing some new things and he's giving you hope and encouragement. And he says, I've got three ministry essentials here. I want you to be courageous and enthusiastic. I want you to know that you're going to have to suffer. And I want you there in verses 13 through 18, I want you to be spiritually loyal. This morning, are you being loyal to the kingdom? Are you being loyal to brothers and sisters as you walk out in faith? In chapter 2, let's look at this. It says, step up. The character of God's servant is they're not one that quits, but they're the ones that they step up. They tend to go after the things of God. They endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 3. Endure hardship. Here's what I know about life. Life is full of joys. Life is full of concerns. Life is full of miracles and expectations and anticipations. But life is full of suffering and trials and pain. And in that, we need to learn to endure. Because when we endure, look what he gives. Paul gives seven pictures. I'll give them to you quickly. In verse 2, he says, hey, I want you to have a teacher, a leader, somebody that's going to be productive here. Two, a soldier. He talks about a soldiers. A leader needs to be loyal to his troops. Number three. I want you to be an athlete. A leader needs to be disciplined. And as a, a Christ follower, as a leader, we've got to be disciplined. For I want a, a farmer here, a leader, is to be a hard worker. When you think about hard work, how many of you think farmer? Man, I did. I mean, man, they sweat by the sweat of their brow, and they get out there, and, man, they, they work so hard, and they have to work with all the conditions of weather, along with all the other stuff that comes on. But, man, they endure in the fifth I want you to be a worker. A leader needs to be diligent. Six, I want you to be a vessel. And in that vessel I want you to be, I want that vessel to be pure. Because when we have pure hearts, God fills us. And the seventh is, I want you to be a servant. I want you to be a leader, but I want you to be submissive. I want you to be submissive to the things of the most high God. And then look at chapter 3. Hold on, the conviction of God's servant. I want you to continue in what you have started. I want you to learn. I want you to become convinced. I want you to turn away from false gods. I want you to look to me, but I want you to, Timothy, Tim, I want you to hold on to the truth of the gospel. I want you to be persuaded. I want you to be convinced, Tim. I want you to endure to the end. There's something I want you to do. Hey, you've got a high prize. You've got a high calling, and that calling is heavenward. And then the fourth thing is here, it's just simply stay faithful. I started with that. I'm going to hammer that all morning because when I read Timothy, if I had to just put one word, I'd go, faithful faithful. God, make us faithful Uh, to preach the word in season and out of season. uh, Be a person that fulfills the ministry that God's given to you. And also be diligent to the end, be faithful, endure, exhort, encourage, build up, get other people to join you in that. I'm so thankful for you. For so many of you that have your part at the wall, as Nehemiah would say, you've got something that you've got to do. You're distinctly and uniquely made. And if you don't do your part, we lack. But when you're faithful, when you discharge the spiritual gifts that God's given you and you operate in them and you use them for the master, it is amazing what happens around here. You know, I've just been praying and thinking about things to come. Every summer is always a time of transition. And as we have sent out and are sending out people even now, and we'll continue this summer, I'm praying that God will have a great harvest that he's going to send many in. And I'm real curious to wonder what their gifts are going to be. And more than that, I pray they would operate and they would activate. I mean, last weekend I talked about it, but I never will forget when Mo and Tara met with us, and they said, we want to use our gifts to glorify Jesus Christ. And they use their gifts, and they made the worship team more. And when you use your gifts, maybe you've got a gift of teaching. You need to use that gift. Maybe you've got a gift of generosity or hospitality. I don't know what it is, but we need to operate. So we need strength, and we endure in the hard times of life. Let's look at three discouraging circumstances here. Filled in. Theological confusion. Now, in chapter 2, look over at verse uh, 16. Through eighteen, Listen to the word of the Lord. Avoid c- godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Let's just stop right there. There's a lot of rhetoric going on, isn't it? And God says, man, I don't want you to get caught up in all this controversy and all this stuff. It doesn't really matter. Stop it. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are... Uh, Humanius and Philetus and who have wandered away from the truth. In other words, man, they're not doing good. And they say that the resurrection has already taken place. They destroy the faith of some. They are just casting doubt. They're bringing confusion. Any, Let me say this. Anytime confusion is present, Satan is there. Amen? And it's not God. Our God is not a God of confusion, but he's a God of peace. So when you're ultimately confused, when you're desperately confused, you need to stop and say, Lord Jesus, come. Come and guard my mind. Come and guard my thoughts. Lord, give me clarity. How many of you this morning believe that the Holy Spirit gives clarity when you ask him? I know he does. Yeah, that's right. He he will give clarity unspeakable. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask, and he will give generously without finding fault to all those that ask him over in the book of James. So many times. Well, not so many times, like every day. Like a lot of times, many times during the day, I'm saying, Father, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what the next step is. Lord, would you grant wisdom? I pray it's your great prayer. Secondly, there's moral corruption. It's a discouraging circumstance because the people here, look what he says there in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proudful. Are proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Now, don't raise your hand if you know anybody like that. But do you know somebody like that? Well, yeah. And but here's the greater question: Is that you? Do you find any of those descriptive words being it's kind of what part of my heart is? Then let Christ transform you. Let him do a new word. It's discouraging if you get caught up. And then the third one is relational uh, rejection here. In in chapter 4, verse 9 through 17, I'm kind of trying to walk you through this whole uh, section here. He says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia here has deserted me. And, and these people are walking away. Now, I don't know about you. Have you ever been deserted? Yeah. And what do you feel? Like a loser. You feel alone. You feel like, I don't know if I can go on. Some of you this morning, I'm speaking this word, and it could be that somebody's going to go through a tough situation, and you're going to feel all alone. But I will assure you, if you have faith in Christ, you're never alone. That's a good news, church. Christ walks right beside you. He gives you the Holy Spirit. Now, I like it when God puts skin on it, and he sends somebody in my path. How about you? I think it's kind of fun when God decides to, look, you've been deserted for a while, but I'm going to bring in reinforcements. I'm going to bring in people that are going to help you. We're going to help the situation. I'm going to get glory in this. But then there might be a season that we just feel like we're deserted, and God's going to do a great work in that if we'll not give up, and we'll look to him, and we'll trust him. So I want to ask you this. How do you respond in great ways during tough times? How do you respond? I've got five ways here today. Because we've all had tough times, we're in a tough time, or we're going to have a tough time. You're saying, why are you so excited about it? Well, I'm not excited about it. I just want to throw an exclamation point on it. I mean, in this economy, has anybody had a hard time? Yeah. Yeah. Has the church had a hard time? Absolutely. Has your home had a hard time? Yeah. Has your business? Yeah. Have your relationships been stressed? Yeah. Has your car broken lately? Yeah. Has your tires gone flat? Yeah. Has your appliances broke? Yeah. Does your appliances ever ask you, would this be a good month for us to go out? (laughs) Every time, as a pastor, I never know when the phone rings what it means. We had a baby. I mean, they're ecstatic. Hey, so-and-so was just in a horrible accident. So-and-so just died. so and is on a ventilator. So-and-so's. I mean, it's like up, down. Just tough times happen. And nobody ever calls me and says, pastor, I know you're busy, but we want to schedule a funeral right in the middle of all this. Or we're going to schedule going over. I remember that morning I was in, in my office. I was getting ready to fly to Kentucky to a board meeting with Go International. And I remember a pain came on me and pa. Man, I went down, went down on the floor, and I was like, whoa. And I got up, and I'm doing this, and there's no numbness. I'm like, i don't think it's my heart. And boom, hit me again. I laid back down on the floor. I said, oh, my goodness. And I don't know what happened. I never had one of these before since, and I prayed never after. I said, man, what is that? And I, I made it back to my chair, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, man, something is going on. <laughs> you ain't got to be very bright to figure that out. And I said, you know what? I wonder if this is a kidney stone. And, man, next thing I know, they got me to the doctor, and I ran to my doctor's office, and he does his deal, and he goes, man, you got kidney stones. Like, like, huh? Put me in a wheelchair, rolled me over to the hospital. Man, I was hurting. You know what I'm saying? And did that thing ask me permission? Hey, this is going to be a good morning for you to have a kidney stone. No. I mean, nobody, you don't get permission, but you have tough times. Now, let's go to this. How do you respond? Number one, keep your eyes on God and his promises. It's focus. What do you focus on in the storm? What do you focus on in the troubled time? I think there in chapter 1, verses 8 and 10, he says, Don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. See, God wants to give us grace for the things of our past. I'm grateful for that. But God moves on. He says, Now I want to give you power My holy power for the present circumstance. But then I want to give you my promises, my word for the future. I'm grateful for that. God gives us a word for the future. Now let's move on to this because I read this by Abe Lincoln. He says, success is going to fail, but to fail without losing your enthusiasm See, a lot of times we're going to fail in this life. I don't know about you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but we've all failed at something, unless you've never tried anything. See, I fail a lot because I try a lot of different things, and that's okay. I think it's part of God's uh, philosophy that God wants us to go and he wants us to trust. Like, uh, here's one. Have you ever gone for a job interview and not gotten the job? Well, you just go home and go, well, whatever. I just will sit home and somebody will come feed me. No, you get up and you knock on another door and you knock on another door and you keep knocking and eventually you get a job. You pray, if not, then you move back home with mom and dad. I don't know, but you're hoping you get a job. You endure, man, hard times come. Uh, man, Christ here, he, he, he gets it, but I want you to move on down through uh, chapter verse Chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. He goes, this grace was given to us in Christ before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and mortality to light through the gospel. Christ Jesus destroyed death. Man, that's an Easter verse if I've ever seen one, but I don't, I don't need it just on Easter. You're not needed every day. Christ gives hope. He gives us leadership. Look at the second thing. If you want to respond during a tough time, you keep your cool head. Now, in this room, I know, and I wouldn't point any of you out, it's it's not my job. But there are some people in this room today that are hotheads. You You know it. I remember over the years playing softball here. We had this guy one year that I wanted him to play. He was a big college baseball player. As a matter of fact, we have a couple of biscuit players in here, so I'm so proud of you guys. But this uh, this guy played ball. And I asked him, I said, why don't you play? I want you to play on our team. And he looked at me, and he came and put his arm around me. I never will forget this because we needed his help. He says, let me tell you. He says, I'm highly, highly, highly competitive. And I have a temper I'm submitting to Jesus Christ, but I've not been victorious totally yet. He says, I am so concerned about my Christian witness that I'm not going to play ball because I don't want to destroy the testimony that Christ is working in me, and I don't want to hurt the witness of our church. So he says, I won't play ball. And I went, wow. I never asked him to play ball again. (laughs) I was just curious. Like, what's he going to do, kill everybody on the field or take them out or coach them? Uh, but you know, he knew, hey, I've got a hot head. But look here. He says, keep your cool. Keep look at it. Verse chapter four, verse five. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge the duties of the ministry. I love that verse. Some of you underline that, but keep your head, baby. You see what happens? Unchecked emotions, write it in. It means unstable leadership. If you want stable leadership, you've got to check your emotions. Hey, unchecked emotions equals unstable friendships. Unchecked emotions means unstable marriages. Listen to this one. See if this fits. Unchecked emotion equals unstable congressman. Anybody watch the news this week? Okay, just thought it out okay. of Unstable, <laughs> unchecked emotions equals an unstable here um, country. We've got to check our emotions. We've got to keep a cool head. And the day somebody just came here to hear that, say, man, what's that verse say? But keep your head in all situations. It means, here's what he'd say. Paul in Galatians says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And he talks about, but you'll have self-control. It's a supernatural work of God. Self-control. Don't be a hothead. Get your eyes back on God. Don't, retaliate against those who reject you or persecute you don't deviate from the path that Christ has you on walk after Christ number 3 stay fired up have a passion for Jesus just just love him just go after him um, he, Man, many fan in the flame your your gift of faith you sit at your mom and your grandmother's knee and they taught you what it was to love God live beyond apathy be a person of immense unspeakable joy. Let the joy of the Lord fill your life. Fan this in the flame. Multiply. Be fully alive. Be a contagious person. Let your life go and touch other lives, but be alive. Be compassionate. Be on fire. Stay fired up. I don't know what keeps you fired up, but whatever it takes to fire you up spiritually, do more of it. I pray that part of it is uh, your walk with God is to be here on Sunday mornings and that you get inspired by worship and by the word and by being with your family and being in Bible fellowship classes and then going to your small groups and, and it's buying Christian albums and, and it's it's being with other, with other Christians and it's doing different, but find something that fires you up. For some of you women, there's a women's conference going up, coming up pretty soon and I know Tullus and some of you women are going to be trying to coach people to go there, but find things that fire you up spiritually and be more for God. And the church said, I mean, do you ever go to a sports fan and go, man, you're losing your enthusiasm. I think you need to go to a ball game. <laughs> it's like going to if somebody likes racing and going, you know, you're losing your love for NASCAR. I think we need to go next weekend to Talladega. Man, you don't, you, you just, I man, I just go. Well, it's the things of God, the things that catch in your heart. And, and Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy. Do these things. Be faithful. Endure. Be my man. Be contagious. Don't be ashamed. Timothy, don't be silent. Be bold. Look at the fourth one. Live for a cause. That's what Paul would tell us this morning as he speaks to Timothy. Live for a cause in chapter 1, verse 11. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. What's a herald? A herald's one. He's an announcer. He just announces the things that are to come forth he was announcing the things of the kingdom. An apostle, an apostle is one that is sent by God. But then he goes and he goes, but now I want you to be a teacher. And what does a teacher do? A teacher simply imparts. It's part of my role as a pastor. Teachers that I impart revelation. I impart knowledge. I impart instruction to you that we can somehow know the counsel of God, learning the full counsel of God together. Say, like, God, I want to live for a cause. I want to follow Christ. And I want you to look at this quickly with me the personal mission statement here. I was appointed a herald and a blank. We are all called to be announcers of the kingdom. But God's also called each of you individually and to be something else. What is it? Fill it in this week. Man, I am to be a salesman for the glory of God. I'm to be a teacher for his glory. For me, I'm to be a pastor Hey, I'm to be a godly mom. I'm to be this. I'm to be. I don't know what it is. Fill in. What are you supposed to be? What is your personal mission? What has God told you to do? And once He tells you to do it, then do it and say, God, I want to have a great life. And a great life equals passion. And in verse 9, chapter 1, he says, And He saved us and He called us to a holy life. In other words, turn from pleasing yourself. Begin to please God. Please Him in whatever you're doing. Be bold in your cause for Christ. Follow in the footsteps of Jesus. But I want you to see a verse here real quickly. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Turn over to verse 22. He says, But flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Just flee these things of your youthfulness. Now, it could be sexual temptation or sexual lust. I think that was definitely part of it. But it could be, hey, don't be so... uh, Intolerant, don't hey, don't be so ego ego driven. Hey, I want you to flee uh, being impatient. Hey, I don't want you to be a person of favoritism. Hey, flee those things. But what does he say? He gives us something to do. He says, flee this. Don't do this. But pursue righteousness. In other words, he'd say, pursue the kingdom. Pursue God. So if you want to have a passion, you have to just go, God, I, I want to pursue you with all my heart. God, I want to get after you. I want to do the things that please you. And then the fifth, and this is critical, God wants you and I to stay faithful to Scripture, to be people of the Word. I say this a lot in different ways, but one of my great prayers is that God would make me and he would make you and he would make our church Word-centric, that we would be people of his Word that it would be active and alive as it is, and it would live, and it would shape, and it would frame our lives, and we would become like Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Look there with me. All scriptures God breathed is for useful teaching, rebuking, correcting, and then training in righteousness. I remember memorizing this verse decades ago. That's what God's word does. It, it rebukes me. It reproves me. It corrects me. It trains me. It, it gives me a pattern for my life to walk after the eternal kingdom of the Father. And together we need to do that. And God says here, uh, Timothy, Paul would say, I knew you from your childhood. You came to faith at the knee of your grandmother and your mom, and that was awesome. And I've breathed the word of God. God has given us his word, and God's word is infallible, and it's authoritative, and it speaks to our life, and we can build on it. And my word is a, a divine source from heaven. And my word has power, and my word gives leadership, and become a person of the word. You know, I just, I would never do this to embarrass anybody. I would only admonish you and encourage you today. Would you become a person of the book this summer? Would you begin to really read the word this summer and let the word read you? I'm walking through the New Testament with you as your pastor, and it's a high and holy honor. But my prayer is that one of the reasons I do this is so we won't be spiritually illiterate, but also that you would begin to work and get into God's word and mine the treasures of the king. And you would know what God's word says. And then when you're challenged in life, you could respond in faith because you know what his word says to you and for you. That's why a lot of times we'll ask, we used to use this phrase, do you have a word? When we ask do you have a word, it means do you have a word from God? Has God spoken to you? And a lot of times we don't hear from God because we're not taking time to listen to him. We're too busy running and we have to stay faithful. Let me give you three unreliable sources of authority. Write these in. This is a bonus and I'll finish. Three unreliable sources of authority. Culture, give you a verse, Exodus 23, 2. Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. That's what Exodus says. If you follow the world, if you follow the crowd, culture will lead you astray every time. Tell you what. Watch entertainment tonight, every night this week, and go, I'm going to pattern my life after those men and women. That's crazy, man. Secondly, tradition. I'm just going to follow tradition. I was trained in the quadrilateral. And that means scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Those are the four quadrilaterals that we operate. And scripture is always supreme. I totally agree. But we have to watch this tradition. But I want you to hear what Jesus said in Mark 7, 8. Jesus said you have replaced the commands of God with the traditions of men. If you're just following traditions because your grandmama followed traditions and your granddaddy and your mom and your dad and you have no reason but you don't know what God says, you missed it. Follow God. I hope you had a godly mom and grandfather. That is awesome. But ultimately, hear Jesus. And give you a third one, your feelings. In Judges 21-25, it says, Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I don't know about you, but my feelings get me in trouble. Because <laughs> sometimes I go, I feel like eating another plate. <laughs> I'll tell you one. I had a big wedding yesterday as a part of, and they had one of my favorites yesterday. They had a German chocolate groom's cake. And I felt like indulging in a lot more than I did. And, and, and your pastor knows better, but I even walked by the table a couple extra times and just looked at it. <laughs> That's like the old boy. Did you ever hear about the guy that uh, he, he was struggling with his diet? And, and he prayed, and, and, and he says, man, you avoid those places. And there was this Krispy Kreme on the way to work. And he was praying. He, he rode by Krispy Kreme, took the left, went around the block, came back by Krispy Kreme. He prayed about it again. He did that 30 times. He finally just gave in and stopped. Oh, I walked by the German chocolate table several times yesterday, and God is my witness. I participated, but I wanted to participate a lot more. You you know what I'm saying? Because I felt like it. How many of you, your feelings got you in trouble? Huh? Hello? Let me hear amen. Yeah. Feelings get you in trouble. Just thought I'd share that in the house of God. All right get contacted to God. I'm going to ask Jeff and the team to come close us in a great song, but I, I learned something this week. How many of you got iPhones? Anybody got an iPhone? All right, Droid users, raise your hands too. I know. Whatever. You got a smartphone? Whatever. All right, oh, Do you like it? All right, well, I like mine. Okay, whatever. Uh, you, you've got a phone. You've got a problem with anything that has current or has a battery? You have dead battery life. You, you know your battery's dead. And you need more life, whatever. And I learned about this thing this week: the power mat. The power mat. You just go and You you can. Uh, you don't have to plug up your phone and your devices. You can just set it on there. And 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 I don't know how it works. You got to be an engineer to understand this. And uh and and it charges your phones and your devices. I'm like that is so cool. Here's the point. When you make contact with this book, but really the God of this book, he'll charge you up. Let's go forward charged as the people of God. Hey, what's a great song we're going to do we're going to close with? All oh, My Fountains. That's a great song. Y'all stand. Father, I thank you as we stand now that you would dismiss us with this power, God, as we sing just the chorus or whatever Jeff and the team lead us in. But, Lord, this is our great hope today, that we would be alive and genuine, and I pray that we would call upon the matchless name of Jesus and trust him. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to call upon you in sincere faith, and we want to imitate Paul and Timothy, and we want to be like Jesus. Thank you for being here today, God, and speaking to our hearts. Make us men and women and boys and girls of the word. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Zoom in the head